Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that in this world that we live in, it's important to have your own back and to understand that you're going to make mistakes and you're going to fall down. And that is a part of living and to really love yourself through the process of getting back up. Um, and so to go back to the original question, when I, being young, these were not skills I had. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I speak with changemakers from all over the world who are contributing to the common good. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is proven to help us age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. My goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will inspire you to live with zest. And to find out more about the podcast, which just won an Anthem Award, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind-the-scenes looks at our guests and other fun tidbits. And if you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, a previous guest. Find out more at judybanker.com. And our technical director is Stephen Litweiler. Well, today we're, we're going to be speaking with Jeanette Encinias, a poet and writing coach. I discovered her through a poem she wrote about her mother that went viral on the internet. It's called Beneath the Sweater and the Skin. And I was so touched by it, I knew I had to find her and interview her. Her book of poems, Queen Owl Wings, is her latest collection. And I feel very fortunate and honored to be able to speak with her today. Welcome to the show, Jeanette. Hi, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. This is the good side of the internet, right? This is the beauty of it, that I can read your poem and, and say, I have to track down this woman. And then we can have a call and a lovely conversation and set up an interview. Yeah, it's magical, truly. <laughs> so... Let's start with something that I think um, our listeners may find really interesting, and that is you say um, that you did not like being young. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I, when I was in my teens and 20s, um, it was really hard for me to know how to be a person. It was very confusing, um, as it is for everybody, and also in my 30s. And as I start, every year of being on the planet and living, truly just, I started to know myself better, understand the world around me better, um, learn how to communicate more clearly with the people I love. And so I just, every year I feel more like myself and um, that is why being young was not the best for me. Um, mm. Did you, was there a sense that you didn't know if you fit in with your peers? Was that part of it or, or, or different? 
Yeah, I, you know, I've always been blessed with some, with beautiful friendships, but I have also always felt different. Um, I'm an empath, a, I'm an introvert. This is a very loud world. Um, and, <clears throat> and so part of not liking being young, and I'm also, I'm a person that loves to know how to do things well. And when you're young, you don't know how to do anything. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> Um, and so you, as a person, I really had to live into my own self and go explore the world, travel, read books, meet people, fall in love, get my heart broken, um, understand myself through honestly, a lot of sorrow, um, <clears throat> and sorrow has been extraordinarily instructive for me and has built inside of me, um, a, a real strength that only aging can give because you have to go through those tough years to know what you're made of and youth doesn't offer that because you haven't gone through the tough years yet you're going through them mm -hmm. and so is is that wisdom or is that something different um i think yes i think it is wisdom that aging brings and it's also a sense of self that you know when you're younger you're looking outside of yourself for guidance for am i doing this correctly for affirmation once you live a little bit you can or at least in my experience i have learned that what i need is um inside of me and I can always pull from this deep well of knowing and listening and truth that if I just get quiet enough, I can hear it. Um, and that just took a lot of time to learn. So mm -hmm. essentially, uh, I found through living and through aging um, this real self-compassion that I didn't have when I was younger because we're not taught that we're not taught mm -hmm. to be compassionate with the learning process. And, um, at some point I just turned something changed in me where I saw this is all an adventure an experience and, um, a lesson. And, uh, if I can be compassionate with myself as I'm learning, wow, it's just way more fun. And that didn't happen until like my mid thirties or something. Mm -hmm. Such it's a, such a radically different way to be in the world. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah, as a psychotherapist, I try to help my clients um, use self-compassion, and it can be such a difficult thing to to reckon with if you're not used to it, and if it seems so foreign. Mm -hmm but um, it can be so powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that in this world that we live in, it's important to have your own back and to understand that you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna fall down. And that is a part of living and to really love yourself through the process of getting back up. And so to go back to the original question, when I, being young, these were not skills I had. So falling down, I would, um, you know, beat myself up for falling down or just, I felt so wild in my own, um, 
in my own like young younghood and um without knowing that you know as i that that is a part of it not knowing is a part of it um falling down is a part of it and so um yeah being young was just too it, it was such a, a humbling experience mhm mm yeah and when did you start writing and knowing that writing was something you loved and that you were good at? Mm -hmm. So I was 10 and I remember it like very vividly. I was sitting across um, from my desk in elementary school from there was two boys and um, they've actually both they have both passed away, which is I just realized the other day. But um I was sitting across from them and just looking at them and they were good friends and they were good boys and they um i just started describing them and their faces and so from and i wrote a poem about them and how different they were but how they could still be friends with each other and um that poem my teacher read it and she was and she had asked me to read it in front of the class and I did and then I just realized at that from that point forward that I had this way to see the world mm -hmm. and to express the world um what I saw of it in a very um simple heartfelt way that people could understand me better because um words are so um <clears throat> for what were feel for what i was feeling inside me as a young girl words sometimes didn't really cut it but poetry did because it was so close to the bone so um direct mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. 10 years old so at 10 years old you had some pretty uh, uh magnificent <laughs> observation skills you were really able to notice and articulate um, using your using words and using it sounds like a real desire to express those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yes, and a real desire to understand the people in front of me too. To see, mm -hmm. I was very enamored by their the different their eyes and the different mm -hmm. color of them. Um, one boy had very gray eyes. The other one had deep, not deep, uh, like these like iridescent blue eyes. And um, yeah, just noticing the difference and, and, you know, sort of applying it to the world around me, to nature around me. So I realized that I had this way of communicating um, by just my love and my interest in human beings by and nature and emotion by using words yes it's a way of translating yeah definitely it sure is mm. did would do you remember what your classmates um response was when when your poem was read they they loved it yeah i mean um i remember my classmates from elementary school as being some of that that was like one of the funnest times of life because you're still a kid right um and you're still you know it's funny because when you're a kid of that age um and younger it, it's this magical time almost when you're older because 
you're not yet conditioned by society necessarily. And then you go through all these years of being conditioned. And then eventually as you age, you break free, you hope. Mm. Um, so it's very much um, aging for me is very much like going back to my childhood uh, and feeling very um, interested and enamored and just happy to be alive. Mm-hmm. What an important time that was. Sounds like the teacher really um, helped you feel like you had something to offer, something special, and, and, and perhaps that carried with you, that memory. Yeah, I've been fortunate to have some teachers and professors who saw a skill, a gift in me and let me know about it, which is uh -huh. truly such a wonderful, teachers are so amazing. And I, um, I just, I really appreciate when a teacher can, it only takes one person to change a person's life, you know? Yes. To set them on a course that can then change other people's lives. Would this be a good time for you to read your poem Beneath the Sweater and the Skin? Sure, I would love to, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Beneath the Sweater and the Skin. <clears throat> How many years of beauty do I have left? She asks me. How many more do you want? Here, here's 34. Here is 50. When you are 80 years old and your beauty rises in ways your cells cannot even imagine now, and your wild bones grow luminous and ripe, having carried the weight of a passionate life. When your hair is aflame with winter and you have decades of learning and leaving and loving sewn into the corners of your eyes and your children come home to find their own history in your face. When you know what it feels like to fail ferociously and have gained the capacity to rise and rise and rise again. When you can make your tea on a quiet and ridiculously lonely afternoon and still have a song in your heart, queen owl wings beating beneath the cotton of your sweater. Because your beauty began there, beneath the sweater and the skin, remember? This is when I will take you into my arms and coo, you brave and glorious thing. You've come so far, I see you. Your beauty is breathtaking. What's it like for you to read that? Um, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I rarely read my poetry out loud, but I like it because I can, there's a rhythm to it that I can't really mm. tell unless I'm reading it out loud. Can you say a little bit more about Queen Owl Wings? Sure. Um, so writing poetry is a very magical endeavor and oftentimes words come and I don't know why, um, but they're very clear. And um, when I had this image in my, in my mind um, of the beauty beneath all the clothes and the skin. I saw an owl and 
these deep, large, feathery wings. When it came time to, to name the poetry book, I was just lying in bed and I was like, what am I going to call it? And, the, and it told me, Queen Owl Wings is what you're going to call it. Mm-hmm. So writing can be a very, can be a conversation with, um, it's a conversation, but it's a quiet conversation inside of you. And it, it, sometimes you're not working alone. You're working with uh, forces that are outside of you. And so Queen Owl Wings, that title was very much that experience. Mm-hmm. Something about um you you said you listen quietly so it's about um discovery somehow more than necessarily creating it but does it, it does that is that right that you're listening for it and then you say yes that's it yes so listening is a huge part of writing um <clears throat> for me you got to be very quiet to hear what's trying to come through for you and then you create and so it's really this listening and then creating listening and creating much like a conversation between two people and so if you're always talking if you're always creating you're not going to actually have the whole experience and um yes writing is very much a process of discovery and knowing that there's so much you don't know and that puts you in this very open childlike mm-hmm. space where you're learning things for the first time mm-hmm. and you're allowing yourself to be um, taught and to be open um, and that way the poetry you know because all of my life experiences are in the poems so there's that, but that is only just half of it. The other half is what I'm learning from being a person on the planet, having these experiences and how the soul is growing from them. And that takes a lot of listening. And I know that one of the things that you do is um, you teach. Is that something that people are able to to do or is it difficult for them to find that quiet and 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 be listening it's very difficult um you know i often tell my clients it's not like you need to go to a mountain by yourself or anything to listen um you just if you can find a quiet you know i always say start very simply because people have very complex lives we all do right um, especially in this modern world, but if you can just a few minutes of listening in the morning, or if you're taking a bath or a shower, just quiet the mind and listen because the mind, um, <clears throat> can really run us ragged and that's not where poetry is born. So I teach people to drop into their hearts and hear this place that's inside the chest. And, um, if you do it for just a minute then maybe the next day you can do it for two minutes and just hear what is trying to be born inside of you. And then once you can hear what's trying to be born, then you can bring the mind in to create it. But the mind comes after the mind comes after the presence. And oftentimes people try to start to um, 
too too much. Like I need to have an hour of quiet time. Mm-hmm. That is that's nice. An hour of quiet time is is a beautiful thing, and I definitely have those in my life. But if you can't have that in your life, just take a few moments and then just drop, just be quiet for a few moments and then write one sentence, just one sentence and start from there. Start small. Is there anything frightening for some people about being silent and listening? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of us avoid being quiet because then we hear our pain. Mm-hmm. That's another reason why I say start small because you don't want to, I've been listening to my pain for a very long time. So I'm re- like well versed in it. Um, but if you, if you've been running from your pain forever and then you drop in and then there's this whole pool of pain mm-hmm. that can be, that can shut you down fast. So again, this is where I also teach self-compassion. You have to love yourself through the process. So there's some things, you know, in my coaching practice that um, it's a spiritual practice for these pe- for people, an emotional practice, a creative mm-hmm. practice, and you have to love yourself through it. And um, if you feel that fear, you know, take it easy, take it easy, and then just go go slow. So I can imagine, I mean, again, being a therapist is that this could be a very therapeutic process Yes, for for your students. Mm -hmm. It definitely is. It's also a time for them to put themselves first and their creativity first, which a lot of women, I work mainly with women, don't do. Um, And I like to teach that, hey, whatever is happening in your heart and your soul, whatever wants to come out and be born, is worth your attention. It's worth it. Um, And it will make your life better. I mean, my creative life is like my deepest, most wonderful practice. It's so much more than writing pretty words. Right. I mean, I, the, that's just the outcome, right? That's just the, like, what comes from it. And really what happens when you start using words, because again, language is so small compared to what is inside of us. I run up against that all the time. But once you use start using words, because it is a practice, your vocabulary gets larger to explain what you're going through as a person and what your child looks like, what your relationship is with your partner, what it's like to age, what it's like to love, what it's like to have your parents pass away. These are these are things we are all going through. And if we can't express what it feels like, it gets stuck inside the body and we grow smaller. And so really writing as a creative and spiritual practice is just becoming larger and and blooming into your own life. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does. What's it like for you to spend time with people who do not you know, are not interested in blooming into their own lives. Is that something that is satisfying for you or, or, or is it important for you to be with people who are sort of operating at this level of depth? Do you mean clients or like, no, no, I mean like social kind of stuff. 
Yeah, good question. So an, um, part, of, part of my work as a person is like loving and accepting people just as they are in their journey. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't expect people to think about this kind of stuff. Um, you know, I know that I'm different in a lot of ways. And um, so it can be it can be challenging to I don't like small talk. So that's challenging mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. I engage in it a little bit, um, but I protect my energy. I'm really good at protecting myself. Sometimes I get lost like anybody and then I have to retreat and recuperate. But I try to be very mindful of the people I allow into my life. Um, and I also try to be very mindful that we're all on separate places and um, many people can't talk about this stuff and that's okay. Like we can talk about music or food, you know, because I love music and I love food. So if you're passionate about anything, anything like sewing mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Or dogs, or for dogs, example. <laughs> we can have a conversation. It's just about passion. You know, if you, if you bring some passion to something, I'll want to listen to what you have to say. You know, I don't like to listen to, um, I try to be mindful to not be around people that complain too much or that where it's all darkness. Cause I can't, because, um, I don't know, I don't need that in my life. So, but if you're passionate about something, no matter what it is, like, yeah, let's talk. Mm -hmm. Can you talk, oh, you, you've mentioned nature a couple of times. Um, and certainly, uh, this idea of owl wings is a natural reference. What? Tell me about your relationship with nature. Mm. Um, so, you know, this is another thing. When I was younger, I wasn't really into nature. I, I grew up in a place that um, had a lot of people and a lot of buildings and all that stuff. And then about 11 years ago, I moved to the beach and... Um, I don't know, my world broke open. Um, before that, I was always a city girl. But once I got close to nature, and now I live part-time on the Oregon coast, which is a whole nother, I mean, the nature here is, is amazing. Um, mm -hmm. I started to see that like, oh, okay, I am nature and there's cycles to this. And um, nature started to teach me things, um, how, how it is always, changing and that you can't rush winter right um so sometimes in my own in my own life there's dark times and then spring comes as well and so by looking at nature i can see how how far away human beings have actually grown from it and that's why we're in trouble in a lot of ways um because we're not separate from it we are nature and so it's always teaching me things and i feel so fortunate to have somehow ended up on the Oregon coast. It was not in my life plans, Nicole, um, but it happened. It's not a bad place to end up though. No, it's amazing. I mean, there's bald eagles outside my window and- um, That driftwood. Yes. Yeah, mm. and, and so nature has taught me just to go with the seasons. Mm -hmm. When it's winter, you rest. When it's, you know, you have to harvest and you have to let spring come when it comes and, um, yeah, it, nature teaches me so much. I'm really in the process of learning from it. 
I would say that's just that nature, it really teaches me how to be more of the earth and more of this planet. Um, it's very helpful to, to go into nature and again, listen to it. Um, don't talk to it. It has so much to teach. Um, and I live by the ocean again, and the ocean can really settle emotions. So there's a lot of things you can throw into the water and it doesn't hurt the water, you know, uh, not trash, obviously, emotion, emotions, emotions, <laughs> not plastic bottles, not plastic bottles, but <laughs> okay. your emotions uh-huh. and, it, and it kind of, it helps you settle a little bit because mm-hmm. it's always renewing itself and turning. And mm-hmm. so my next book is going to be about nature. And mm-hmm. so I'm really just, I'm just in it right now, watching it. Um, and it's exciting. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's magical. And, you know, I've had other guests on a talk about the power of nature and some of it uh, through a scientific lens, you know, in terms of chemicals that um, that we absorb walking through forests that are really beneficial to our health, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. Jeanette, can you talk a little bit about um, what you offer and where people can find out more about you? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm a writing teacher and I, I work one-on-one with clients in various ways. Um, and you can find me at um, JeanetteInsenius.com. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I, I work with people that have mainly are passionate, intelligent people who have all different sorts of projects that they really want to bring out into the world. And um, I have creativity and I also have pretty solid organizational skills, which mm-hmm. what um, a lot of times it takes to bring all this creative beautiful stuff into the world is organizing your thoughts, organizing your feelings, and then getting down uh, to the business of actually, you know, making words and sentences and all that. (laughs) I wrote a book on podcast interviewing. And, you know, I really found and it's a short book, but I, you know, it, it, there's a lot of logistics involved. Um, and I was, I, I, you know, I knew that at some level, but then it just kept going and going and going. And I was like on to the next project. But uh, there's a lot of loose ends that have to, that, that, that's not part of the creative project or uh, process that you have to figure out. Yeah, you really have to have both. Um, mm-hmm. And I am, I'm a list maker. Mm-hmm. I also love things wrapped up. So I don't like things lingering. And mm. I like with Queen Owl Wings, um, I'm, you know, spending the year kind of talking about her to people and stuff and giving her time to go out into the world. And then the next book will get my attention. But I really believe in just doing one beautiful project at a time if you can so that you can pour everything you have into it and not feel scattered. I I mean, multitasking and being scattered is, I know it's part of what everyone is doing right now and it's not something I personally recommend. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Well, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you and hear about the creative process and 
and congratulations for your your work and and also you know this poem that just went all around the world people really resonated with it yeah thank you so much nicole Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.